Hi, in this episode of Ivy Matters, we talk to Mike Cassidy, a Diploma Program Coordinator and a DP Examiner about assessment in the Diploma Program. We will describe the DP Assessment Framework, and Mike will explain how Diploma Program scores are a combination of multiple factors which often take place over the entire two-year course of study, not just a one-sitting written examination. Welcome to IB Matters, a podcast for those who currently teach, lead, attend, or are interested in international baccalaureate IB schools. Hi, this is John Peterson with IB Matters, and today I'm here with Mike Cassidy. Uh, Mike is a diploma program coordinator at a high school in the north suburbs of uh, Minneapolis. And uh, hello, Mike. Hey, John. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the role of a DP coordinator in the school you're at and um, how you got to this position? Sure. So um, my role as a diploma program coordinator is to um, work with the students and the teachers involved in the diploma program, which uh, for Park Center is uh, two years in the 11th and 12th grade. And we have about 400 students who take courses in the junior and senior year. We have about 19 teachers that work in the program, uh, and I meet with them regularly uh, to um, uh, check in, see how things are going, uh, make sure that they have the resources and materials they need. Uh, And then, of course, um, uh, one of my largest roles is um, uh, to be involved in the gathering uh, of assessments uh, as the classes progress and then uh, during the May exams uh, to uh, what the IB terms invigilate. uh, Invigilate. Yes. A great IB term. It is a great. For those of you who are not familiar with these terms, invigilate means the same as proctoring. Correct. Right. But you can hear the word vigil in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike, for context, um, we said about uh, 400 students. Is that about if I, I know Park Center pretty well myself, is it about 40, 50% of the students take at least one IB exam? That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it's a big high school, almost 2,000 students, I believe, in four grades. Right. That's okay. right. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what's your background? So my background is I've taught here for about 23 years as an English teacher. Um, several years ago, around 2007, uh, the school became a, a magnet, and the basis for the magnet was the IB program. And along with that magnet, we had a large technology infusion. And so I got involved in the magnet, actually, as a tech coordinator. And film was always my um, kind of interest, and so um, mm-hmm. I, I'm an IB film teacher here. Um, and then uh, as uh, the IB program um, evolved, I uh, took on various roles. I uh, began to teach the theory of knowledge or TOK class here. I then uh, became the uh, CAS or Creativity Activity Service Coordinator. Uh, that's a component of the full uh, IB diploma. And I also became the Extended Essay Coordinator, um, also uh, an element of the full IB diploma. Right. Parts of the core. Exactly. In fact, you had the whole, you know, you just rattled off the whole core. So I did. Today, what we're going to focus on is, you know, we're, you know, you can listen to this anytime, of course, but this is the towards the end of testing season in 2019, and uh, we are going to kind of hear from you, just an overview as you wrap up the testing season. What what 
is uh, what does the diploma program assessment scheme look like? Um, what you know, how do exams fit into the whole thing? And and what I was hoping you would do for us uh, to start out with, Mike, is just kind of talk through in the various IB subject areas. How is a uh, how is assessment done? Say, right. For example, in your background in film or in in an English class. Yeah. That's perfect. So there are uh, six areas, six subject areas um, that uh, the IB uh, focuses on. So studies in language and literature is number one. Language acquisition or uh, world language, uh, as it's sometimes called, uh, number two. Number three, individuals and societies. Uh, Then we have the sciences, uh, mathematics, and then the arts is our group six. So all of these subject areas are offered at uh, all IB schools. And um, the students uh, choose uh, from these courses. Um, and for the full diploma students, uh, they take courses in just about each of these areas. The only area that is uh, considered optional is the arts. Uh, students can take one class from another one of the subject groups uh, to fulfill the uh, requirements for the full diploma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and so for again, for our listeners, uh, it may sound like we're giving the arts short shrift, but many times the local control kind of takes over and there are some requirements, for example, local universities may say, hey, we need to see you take two sciences or some additional math or another um, course in the individual societies area. So um, IB has given the option while it's not preferred in the IB philosophy, uh, the option does exist, so there is some local control over that uh, group six. Right, yep, and it helps uh, schools immensely with uh, things like scheduling, and um, as you said, some schools uh, may not have the complete resources to offer uh, all of these classes. So that's uh, it provides a lot of flexibility in the schools like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each of these areas um, has um, exams and uh, uh, other assessments. So um, uh, you know, today was uh, the final uh, exam. We just finished the French uh, and French ab initio exams this morning. Uh, so for the past three weeks, uh, we have given uh, 28 exams in 10 subjects. Uh, we just wrapped that up this morning. So um, that's just part of uh, the score that students receive uh, for an IB diploma program course. So the IB diploma program courses are based on a seven-point scale. And as I said, part of that seven points is um, uh, achieved through this final exam. Um, And uh, to draw a comparison to other uh, programs like the um, advanced placement, where advanced placement, there is one exam on one date. In IB, in the diploma program, uh, there is that exam, but uh, there are also other assessments that we uh, call internal and sometimes external assessments. So my area, of course, is film. Now, so film has uh, four assessments that are part of it. And uh, ironically, or interestingly enough, um, it does not have a May exam. Students do not sit for a final exam. All the assessments are completed during the two years of the course, and we offer IB film at the higher level, or HL. Classes can be offered at SL or HL. And uh, in film, the four assessments are textual analysis, comparative study, 
uh, film portfolio. And uh, the last one, of course, is the collaborative film project. And that's actually only for students that are uh, pursuing the HL. HL. So, so all of these components have a certain percentage that goes into the making, uh, the making up of that, that seven point. Seven points, yeah. Yep. So, for example, uh, in film, uh, the textual analysis, which is a, um, a, pay, a paper uh, about uh, a segment of a film that cho- students choose, they have a month to, to watch it and research it. Uh, they write a paper on that, and at HL, it's worth 20% of their grade. The comparative study, which is a comparison of two films, is 20%. Uh, the film portfolio, which is a collection of their work over the two years uh, with commentary, is 25%. And the collaborative project for the HL is worth 35%. Mm-hmm. So all of these pieces kind of work into that same idea. And, and this is true in uh, all subject areas in IB. So, uh, for example, a, um, a chemistry class might have a similar um, breakdown where there is uh, an internal assessment uh, that the teacher, an internal, when, by we, when we say it internal, we mean that the, the teacher actually grades that. Mm-hmm. Those grades are sent along with samples of the student's work, and they're moderated. So uh, an examiner looks at uh, how the teacher scored those papers and determines if their scores were accurate mm-hmm. and in keeping with the the uh, the rubric the um, the objectives of the the course and uh, and then uh, that in that way there's uh, um, some reliability right. in terms I mean, of that grading. Uh, I'll just interject here yeah. because I was a science teacher in the sure. chemistry exam, just like the ones I taught. I taught physics, IB physics, at a standard level and. Uh, the internal assessment was in science is a laboratory investigation, and uh, we would you know give the students a uh, a simple question. It, it might even be investigate some area of uh, a, of a uh, a lever or a pendulum, for example. And the students would do an analysis of a pendulum's motion and report that in a in a lab report. And to give the listeners a little sense of, of kind of the the importance of the teachers' work here, I would spend on these on these reports um, that I knew were being moderated. I would spend myself twenty five to thirty five minutes per investigation, uh, making sure that I was uh, you know grading these appropriately based on the criteria and examples I had seen of this kind of work done before, knowing that a, a certain percentage of my work would be sent on to another arbiter, shall we say, who would check my work. And here's where the pressure kind of came in. If, if I, out of, say, 28 physics students, if I sent five pieces along, if I made mistakes in those five pieces, uh, those five samples, the examiner would then grade down the entire sample sent in. So if I was four points too high, every student, even the ones that weren't sent in, would be graded down four points from what I assessed, and that would be their final portion of that grade. And, and so it's important for all uh, internal assessments that the teacher is well-trained and understands the criteria on which these things are based. So uh, that that moderation, which is the checking of my work as a teacher, uh, is a big part of the quality control, as you said. Right. And the idea, of course, is that uh, you know students uh, will get a, a score that is uh, consistent uh, regardless of who their teacher is and um, how they taught the course. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, um, as you... Um, wrapped up the French exam this morning. Tell us where those exams go next. Okay, so from from uh, 
Park Center. They are mailed to a, um, a center uh, that then scans the exams. Uh, the center is located in Alabama. Uh, these scanning centers are located uh, around the world. Um, ours happens to be there. And so all of our exams are mailed to that um, scanning center. The only exception to that is there in the sciences, there are multiple choice uh, tests for each uh, course. The, the paper, the first paper, they call it, the first exam, uh, is a multiple choice, and that actually gets sent straight to Cardiff, Wales, uh, for the IB headquarters there uh, for grading. Um, but other, other than that, they're all scanned. They're all uploaded uh, to a, a system where the individual examiners then uh, go in and uh, access these through an online portal and uh, uh, grade them online. Uh, so that the you know the it's it's quite speedy. Uh, from here, they go right to the examiners. The they get there in a day or two. They're scanned. Uh, they're uploaded immediately. Uh, examiners have uh, almost instant access to them, and all that examining gets wrapped up uh, in time uh, to have results compiled by July sixth for uh, our students. Uh, so they can access, they can go online and access the results of those exams. Uh, they can see their individual scores on the exams. They can see their uh, overall score, that uh, score I mentioned, that seven-point scale that's mm-hmm. used to grade all IB exams or all IB subjects. And so they can see that all uh, by July 6th, and that's, it's a t- tremendous effort, uh, if you can imagine, mm-hmm. all of the, the schools from all over the world yeah. So how is it that students, uh, you know, by lottery, you know, you don't know which examiner there are sometimes hundreds of examiners, depending on the the uh, the course. Um, how, how can how are students ensured that they're examined uh, fairly that that, for example, they didn't get the so-called tough teacher? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So the, the process of examining involves uh, um Teachers uh, who are hired as examiners, and that's a that's a process that's uh, um, could be fuel for a, another podcast, and very well may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the process is uh, during that um, uh, the exam reading, uh, the the system places what they call seeds into the the flow of exams that uh, teachers are scoring examiners are scoring well go ahead you, you, yeah you can tell the folks that you are an examiner so you've experienced yes. this right so I'm an, yeah, yeah. I'm an examiner for film uh, in the, the textual analysis this is my first year of doing it um, and I can say that it was a really great experience I was a little nervous about it but it was really good and and the way it worked uh, to, to keep me honest so to speak is that they would uh, put seeds in these seeds were uh, exams, or uh, in this case, papers that had been scored by a, a, a head examiners, uh, and uh, they had a set um, uh, uh, score in mind. And you would either be accurate, so you'd score just the same as they would. You would be intolerance, which means you were a couple points off, or you'd be out of tolerance. And for examiners that are too far out of tolerance on too many seeds, they no longer are allowed to examine. So the idea is that you're they're checking each examiner for accuracy, and for those examiners who are inaccurate, they no longer uh, will examine that particular session. They may examine uh, the following year. Uh, they may even examine after uh, a little bit of uh, follow-up, a little bit of... Some um, retraining? Some retraining. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. All right. 
Yeah, that's it's kind of interesting. When I first heard about this idea, I thought, oh, that is, it's almost sneaky, <laughs> but you understand um, how it works because you know uh, that, you know, this, the one you're doing, the one that you're assessing right now might be one that's already been pre-scored. So yeah. uh, not knowing which is which, uh, you are kind of under pressure to do it well. Right. And you do, it is, it is a learn, there's a learning curve. You, when you, when you get those seeds that you're, you know, out of tolerance on, you realize you go back, you look at the criteria and you realize, oh yeah, I see where, mm-hmm. you know, where I, I made a mistake there. Uh, sometimes you're contacted by, uh, your supervisor for that particular exam, and they'll give you some feedback as well. Um, so it's really helpful. Yes, to yeah. use a baseball analogy, the umpire is, you know, returned to the strike zone. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that, that definitely there is this fairness involved. And I think one of the groups that we're hoping to target with this and some other podcasts are universities and university admissions people and even university uh, department chairs and so on who maybe don't know much about IB. And so when they have students come in uh, looking at, at an IB exam score of, of five out of seven or four out of seven, you know, they often, you know, rightfully in some cases could be concerned about great inflation because sometimes GPAs in the United States don't mean much anymore, but there is no inflation in DPIB scoring. It's no. been well, it, it's been well documented and it, it is a simple flat line of, of the quality of the work related to a particular score. Yeah, that's quite true. It's, it's, a uh, um, you know, I think when students see their, their, their exam scores and they see their, their scores for their courses, they, they get a very accurate picture of, um, Sort of their effort and ability, and and um, um, they, uh, you know, based on feedback that students have given me, they've been you know quite surprised uh, by how well they've done, or or maybe sometimes surprised the other way. But um, oftentimes they're they're very proud of uh, when they see that because they know um, that it is a score that is accurate and that is not uh, inflated in any way. Right, and they, they're completely comparable to the score of a student in any continent. Right. Um, so you really truly are being assessed based on a standard set that every student gets. And so, you, you know, whether you're in a small rural school or a big metropolitan school, school or a school in another city or country, um, you are all on the same scale. And that's, you know, that really is part of the credibility of the IB program is that we have this global monitoring and moderation that allows the grade to be trusted and the quality of work that the student has done right. to be understood. Yeah. And that, you know, that uh, uh, bodes well for recognition at the university level, because uh, as you mentioned, uh, when um, Admissions folks at the university look at those scores. They they know what they're getting. Uh, you can go to almost any, um, particularly American universities, and in their in, in their web page, uh, you can enter IB recognition in the search box, and you'll get uh, pretty much a, a complete rundown of how they'll recognize IB grades because they know that. Uh, five, six, or seven uh, means that the student has achieved this level of uh, competence, this level of expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and just to add a layer to that as well, as you've described um, it, throughout this conversation, uh, this is a comprehensive score. It's not based on a few hours on a May morning. Um, you know, uh, to give, give a comparison to say AP or advanced placement that you know many North American students will participate in. Um, you know, when they sit down to start an exam at, say, 9 o'clock on May 10th, um, they have zero. They have no points. And, and ha- actually, 
in most cases, they don't even have to have taken the course. They're just going to take an exam in the subject area. Right. And and when and, and so, however, those next two to four or five hours go uh, is an expression of the them in that moment. And so, when a university looks at a score for an AP exam, they know what they're hearing about is a snapshot of that student at that moment in time. Uh, no sense of growth and no connection to the individual teacher who was involved if there was a teacher in most cases of course there is yeah and that, um, yeah, that's it, a good so so then with ib uh, depending on the course like for example you don't even sit for an exam it's a comprehensive score in film uh over four over two years in four different assessments in science um the internal assessment the lab work has been done and is in the in the bank already and there's some other scores that have already been turned in related to that student's work so the the exam portions are really just a percentage ranging as high as maybe 80 percent of the score but sometimes as little as 50 percent or less depending on the subject area that's right yeah and you know the the sort of the beauty of that is that um not only are you you know you see, receive part of your grade based on an exam that you sit for in May, but the the components, uh, the internal and external components of the course, uh, measure different talents and abilities. There's, um, you know, in, in, in film is my area, so um, not only uh, are you, um, you know, graded on on your understanding of film history and your ability to analyze film, but you're also graded on the more hands-on components of filmmaking uh, in the collaborative project and in the film portfolio. That's the, you know, that that's your that's your practitioner uh, mm-hmm. of of film. That is your ability to you know to use the the equipment well and to uh, to understand the technology. And and there are students that that uh, excel at uh, one or the other, or sometimes both mm-hmm. right yeah and the same is true in the other subject areas you know students have a chance to in some cases uh do an oral commentary um with it as an interview with their teacher as part of their score and so uh folks who are examiners actually hear the student's voice and yeah. hear the teacher's voice and are assessing that conversation as part of a student's score so you know it one of the i just have always enjoyed as i've you know become more engaged with ib and the diploma program uh, just the, how comprehensive the assessment is. And, and ultimately, I can't imagine if you're uh, at the next level in, in education uh, looking forward to ha- having this student come to your school, um, you wouldn't, how, how would you not uh, believe a, a score like this and, and seeing the components the student has? And then when you interview the student, you realize the composure that student has in the subject areas in which they've been examined. Right, yeah, that's yeah. great. So now that we have the score, yeah. um, let's kind of wrap this up. We'll just talk, well, how is the score used? How, yeah. What do students do? They're going to get their scores, I think you said July 6th this year. That's right. Um, what are they going to do with that number? Yeah, so um, before the end of the school year now, we uh, do a big push to get kids to tell us where they're going to school uh, so that we can make sure that we send their scores there. And we can do that at this point in the process. We can do that for free for them. Um, they can have their scores sent to the, the college that they've been accepted to in the fall, so they'll get a copy of that uh, IB transcript. Um, so that's uh, that's the kind of the first step. Uh, once uh, you know, for for most students, they'll arrive uh, on campus sometime in August for uh, as a freshman to do uh, some kind of an orientation, and they'll meet with an academic advisor. They'll sit down with that academic advisor, and and they'll have a copy of 
uh, the scores from IB, and they'll determine uh, for their particular program how do those scores fit into the requirements. Sometimes uh, those scores uh, will allow the student to uh, waive that requirement. So, for example, uh, I had my own daughter uh, graduated from high school last year from an IB school, and she uh, did well on both her IB English and her IB history exams. And when she got to uh, her college, uh, Marquette in this case, in Milwaukee, they said, well, there's, uh, you know, she was in a nursing program. There, was, there were some liberal arts uh, distribution requirements. And uh, for the writing and the history components, those were waived. Now, hmm. what that allows her to do is she would really like to do a semester abroad at some point. And so it frees up uh, some uh, room in her program uh, now to, to, to take that semester abroad. She might even have more options uh, that uh, she could do a semester abroad where those credits that she'll receive may not necessarily be necessary for her program, but because these uh, sort of liberal arts distribution requirements have been waived, uh, she doesn't uh, need that. Of course, the other piece of that is uh, there's a financial um, uh, benefit. Right. So students don't have to pay for those uh, credits. Uh, and we don't often sell the, the that that point because there are so many different schools that recognize IB in so many different ways right. that it's just impossible to, to make a blanket statement to, to parents or students to say, take this class and you'll save some money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never mm-hmm. really been. And, and actually, the interesting thing is we, the feedback we get from students often is um, if you're going into it as a money kind of saving thing, that might not be the right angle. The, the Really, the, the, the benefit that most students cite when they get to college uh, having completed these IB uh, courses, is that they are very much prepared mm-hmm. for college. And yes. in fact, um, so prepared that uh, they do generally better on, on many of their classes. And, and, and if you want to look at you know, a cost benefit there, um, there's less likelihood of uh, a failed course that you need mm-hmm. to retake. Right. Um, so you've got uh, that. You've got the – and then, of course, if you don't have to retake a course, you're more likely to finish within that four years. Right. And that, of course, also is a, is a money saver. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, in another podcast, I think it might be – well, it's a couple of them. The, the one where we introduced the diploma program and also there's a podcast – of students from a, a nearby high school talking about how IB helped them, you know, it, it is clear that it is that second thing you were saying, the idea that the kids are really well prepared. And so they are successful when they get to college. The research shows that if you go on ibo.org and look under the diploma program, you'll see the, the research there about success rates of students who have had diploma courses, not just full diploma, not just kids who did all diploma classes, but even those that did two or three IB courses along the way. Um, the, the research shows clearly that they're more prepared. They get out earlier. They get out on time. Um, and so, so many parents and students too, but a lot of times the parents are the ones saying, Hey, I really want, you know, my student to save a bunch of money. Um, so we're going to take these courses with the hope that they'll get free credits. Uh, but you know, doing the math, I myself took five years to go through college. If I had done it in one less year, depending on how you look at it, it's 20 or 25% cheaper to do, you know, to do it in four versus five. Yeah. 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 That's a very good point. Yeah. I was also a five-year college student. I changed uh, majors in the middle. So same here. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, Mike, thank you very much for your time today to explain the diploma program assessment. 
Um, we're going to be speaking to you about that. You alluded to the uh, examiner role, and we're going to talk to you a little bit about that. We'd love to encourage uh, our listeners, if they're involved in IB, to to become examiners. IB is always looking for more examiners in any subject, and um, and your perspective will be appreciated there. Um, so thank you very much for your time today. And did I, did I understand you correctly? You just wrapped up the testing season today? Yep. A load has been lifted off my shoulders this morning. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, uh, so. it, it's a lot of exams and uh, over a three-week period. But uh, it's, it, it is, uh, it's one of those uh, experiences that is a little bit taxing but also yep. very rewarding to see students um, – fully engaged in a, in a, in a moment, uh, using all the skills they've gained over two years. So terrific. Well, yep. thank you for all the work you do, because I know from personal experience that it, it is, uh, it is very stressful, but it's extremely rewarding. It is. Thanks, John. You bet. Thank you. You can learn much more about the diploma program and other aspects of IB assessment and the IB pre-K to 12 continuum of education using links in our podcast notes, as well as on the IB website at ibo.org. Please find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss any future programs. Follow us on Twitter at MattersIB. Also help us spread the word about IB by liking and sharing the IB Matters links in your own feeds and social networks. In very little time, we have already been heard in over 40 countries, a testament to the global reach of the IB 